You are listening to Haftarah, the Shir series where we typically explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. Here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha happens to be Parsha Sra'e. However, we are finding ourselves now in the third week of the Shiva Dinachamasa, the seven Haftarahs of comfort and consolation that we read in between Tishabav and Rosh Hashanah. And of course, the mission now is to understand the Navi's message of Nechama as it applies to us in these times, and what each given Haftarah adds to that conversation of Nechama. In the first week of the Shiva de Nechama, Shabbos Nachamu, Parshas Vashanan, we tried to explain exactly what does Nechama mean, and in the previous Haftarah Shir, on the second week of the Shiva de Nechama, for Parshas Ekev, we explored that um, concept of Nechama a little bit further, in attempt to answer the question of how a haftarah that was seemingly putting the blame on us, um, where in that haftarah do we find the comfort, or at least the nechama? And one thing that I'll point out now that I've noticed is that at least so far, each of the haftars of the Shiva de Nechamasa includes somewhere in it the Sharesh of Nun Chesmem, um, of, of Nechama, and that does continue in the beginning of our haftarah this week, as we will see very shortly. But for the first week of the Shevet Nechamasa for Nachamu, we began with Parak Mem of Yishayahu. Um, and then for the second week, we began with Mem Tes. So we went from 40 to 49. This week for the Shevet Nechamasa, we go ahead further to Parak Nun Dalad. And that's uh, Parak 54. And um, it starts with Nun Dalad Yud Aleph. So 54.11 goes all the way to Nun Hey. Hey, 55.5, as we dedicate this shir, Lui Nishas, Imi Marasi, Chayarach, Abbas, Tabitzvi, Harani, Kouras, Mishkava, Hrnashem, and Shadhaven, Aliyah. And let's uh, see exactly what this particular nevuah adds to our conversation. So as we move over to the third after of the Shevet and Hamasa, we reach the passage known as Aniyasara, um, literally, the afflicted, storm-tossed one. Now this after should really be somewhat familiar as half of it was actually read earlier in the year, as the Haftarah for none other than Parshas Noach. Now, with that said, one might wonder why it was necessary to repeat a Haftarah, or at least parts of a Haftarah. And there is certainly no shortage of passages in Novi that we needed to recycle an old one for this week. It must be, then, that somehow our passage of choice was just perfectly apropos for both occasions on which they are read. Right, both for Parshas Noach and apparently for, right now, Parshas Re'eh, the third week of the Shiva Nechamasa. So the question is, how is that? What about this Haftarah makes it the perfect choice of reading for both Parshas Noach and the Shiva Nechamasa? And is it at all possible that Parshas Noach and the period of Nechama share any fundamental themes in common? Right, to answer these questions, we have to obviously visit the text to see exactly what this Haftarah is about. So the Navi begins describing the land of Yerushalayim amidst its state of exile. Aniyasara lo nuchama, afflicted, storm-tossed one, who is not comforted, who is not consoled. So we have again this Sharesh of nuchama. So there we go. We right away we see the theme of nuchama, and the imagery conveys the feeling of an easily relatable discomfort, being caught in a storm. Afflicted by the ravaging winds and the rain. Earlier today, I had intentions of going to an earlier Meyer of Minion, but I could not because here in South Florida, in Hollywood, it was pouring rain. 
And of course, it was much safer, much more comfortable to remain inside, at least until the rain subsided. And then I ended up going to a later Ma'ariv. But again, the imagery is fairly clear. So the question of, well, how does this relate to Parshas Noach? So of course, the relevance to Parshas Noach is easily understood, considering the most literal storm and discomfort Noach was forced to endure inside the Teva during the rain. But how about for our purposes, for the Shiva Dinechamasa? So if one thinks about it, this concept of Anya might teach us an unfortunate reality that exists and often hinders the Nechama process. That reality is the storm-like nature of our exile. <laughs> reality itself. Yes, life has its pleasant times and its distressful times. But sometimes the distress becomes so overwhelming, they are like a storm. And when we are in that storm, nothing else really seems to matter. Whether you've been looking forward to pleasant and exciting news or dreading some future distress, while you are in that storm, all of that is forgotten, and you just want to take cover to relieve that discomfort. You just want to breathe. You don't care about material luxuries of the world. You're not asking for a fancy new car, a vacation to Hawaii, or anything like that. You just want serenity at that point. You just want a simple life. You just want comfort. But of course, when the storm rages on, when we are aniyasara, when we are storm-tossed and afflicted, then at that point, lo nuchama, we cannot attain that simple baseline comfort. And then the question becomes, then how amidst the storm are we supposed to achieve that nechama? In the past, we mentioned that nechama, more than comfort or consolation, really means a second thought, reconsideration, so that although the situation itself has not necessarily changed, nechama should come along and allow us to reconsider how we ought to relate to the unfortunate situation so that we can cope and somehow move forward. But if we're still in that storm, how do we get there? Call it what you want, nechama, consolation, reconsideration. We want nothing more than that while we are stuck in the storm. But unfortunately, the merciless and unforgiving storm waits for no one. And that is how our gullus often feels. And the question then is, then what? And yet, in the Haftarah's same opening verses, the Navi offers the unexpected. What does all of that mean? So let's translate. Afflicted storm-tossed one who is not consoled. Behold, I lay your floor stones upon pearls and make your foundation on sapphires. I shall make your sun windows of rubies, your gates of garnets, and your entire boundary of desirable stones. If we take these words at face value and consider everything that we've said until now, they should be somewhat shocking. Hashem, through the Navi, seems to promise to rebuild Yerushalayim with all of these elegant, precious gemstones. Yes, it sounds quite beautiful, and in some ways reassuring. But at large, it seems a little bit besides the point. Right? We are looking at a land in distress, 
tossed back and forth by a storm. We're looking at seemingly unending discomfort, where all the afflicted one wants is to just not be afflicted any longer, to be taken out of the storm and into shelter. And again, as we mentioned, when you're in that storm, nothing else matters. You just want comfort. And here is the Navi promising palaces of rubies and sapphire. Now, again, when we consider the implications of Gullus, when we consider the distress, not just of Yerushalayim, right? Yerushalayim is a location, it's a place, and not to downplay the importance of Yerushalayim as a location, but we know that our Gullus comes with so much more than just the fact that we are not in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim with the Beis Amigdash. At a point that we reflect on on Tisha B'Av with the Kinos is recognizing that all the tragedies we face, whether it's the Holocaust, the, the, uh, the, um, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, every massacre, every contemporary tragedy that befalls Klal Yisrael, all of that is an outgrowth of the Gullus we are in. And sometimes it's really hard to think about the Beis Migdash and to think about what a rebuilt temple would look like and feel like and how beautiful it would be when, in the meantime, we're sitting here in that storm of terror and of, of discomfort for a whole slew of reasons, of, of depression from, from all of the evil that's happening around us. Again, when you're in that storm, you can't really think about anything else. You can't really think about, you know, a, a beautiful structure, a beautiful mansion. And yet this is what the Navi talks about. And so I have to say that with the sincerest, mamish, the sincerest due respect, I know when you say well, with all due respect, you know, usually you're about to say something that's not respectful. Um, but really, if, 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 if you think about someone who is mamish and gullus, who is suffering from that plight of gullus, what the Navi is describing here seems like not what the exiles would be longing to hear. Yes, the luxuries are a nice thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, wonderful, a wonderful thing to look forward to, certainly. But we really just want one thing beyond anything else. For someone who is truly experiencing Gaulus, all they want is comfort. We want guaranteed serenity. We're not so greedy and so out of touch with reality to suggest that Hashem should give us material riches and all you could eat banquet in a, a mansion with a pool. We're not asking for that. And when we're being tossed back and forth by the storm, we can't even think about those things anyway. We just want protection. We just want the threat to go away. We want our families to be safe and healthy. We want the bare necessities to be met. We want to make ends meet. We want to simply be told with certainty that everything is going to be okay. And when the Navi in one breath acknowledges the storm-like exile, then starts fantasizing about this utopian city of jewels, it seems almost as if chas v'shalem, the Navi does not understand what the exiles are truly going through. Almost like it's chas v'shalem tone death. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice reward for all of our troubles in exile, uh, you know, but if, if, if we would have the honest choice of, uh, of, of you know, having the gullus and being able to come out with rubies and sapphires, honestly, you know, we would likely decline the luxuries of the future 
if we could end the storm right now. In fact, Chazal themselves, when asked their preference, they felt this very way, as they declared, as the Gemara Baruchos tells us on Hayam and Beis, Lo hein right? I prefer neither them, the sufferings, nor their reward. So the question now is twofold. Firstly, how do we reach that point of Nechama while we are yet being tossed by the storm? And secondly, why doesn't the Navi simply just tell us what we would like to hear and assure us, no, 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 not false reassurance, but honest reassurance, tell us that the storm will come to an end. Tell us that there will be peace at the end of all this, that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. Why instead does the Navi elaborate on a beautiful palace that Hashem wants to one day build? Now, if one continues the Haftar, the Navi ultimately does eventually talk about the security and peace for which we long. In fact, in the very next verse, the Navi declares, And all of your children will be students of Hashem, and the peace of your children will be abundant. And we happen to know that that Pasuk, a very famous Pasuk that we quote on Shabbos, is the Pasuk that, from which we learn to, that you have to learn Halachos every day because um, when, you, when, when in fact you learn Halachos, you are builders, right? And these Bonayach, maybe, is a reference to the building of the palace of Hashem, the base of Migdash, perhaps. And maybe that's somewhat relevant. But from that point, the Navi continues on this route of serenity, suggesting that panic will not come close to us, that we have nothing to fear, and that no weapon that is sharpened against us will succeed. The Haftar even continues into the next parak, where the Navi tells us that anyone who is in need of any food and water will be provided it free of charge. And that seems to be everything that we want to hear. We want to hear that we will have food and shelter. That's the thing we've been waiting for when we're sitting in the storm. So in the end, we are in fact told that everything will be okay. But again, it does still seem somewhat strange and slightly out of touch that the Navi began its consolation with a description about this lavish palace that Yerushalayim will become. So the question again is, why is this information so necessary that we had to hear that first? And as we've already explained, it's hardly what we want to hear. We don't want to be told how amazing it will be, but rather that it should just end and be simple. However, it must be that as quote-unquote out of touch as this prophecy may seem, it is most likely we who are actually missing something here. Right, and that's, uh, that's an important episode for life, right? Anytime you have a, have a question about anything in Torah, usually it's not that the Torah is the thing that doesn't make sense, the words of the Navi, the words of the rabbi that don't make sense. Most of the time, it's we're missing something we are failing to understand. And it seems that in this case, the Navi is saying what he means, and he means what he says, and it is we who are perhaps not in line yet with what relevance the Navi's message truly is. So let's 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 give it a chance right now. Yes, for us, the hope and, and perhaps ideal is not necessarily the utopian magnificence that the Navi is describing. And as victims of the storm, we really do just want peace and comfort, reasonably so. But it could be that at the same time, we have to realize that in fact there is a higher ideal that Hashem has in mind. Yes, we want the storm to end, and with Hashem's help, says the Navi, it will end. There will be comfort. It's coming. 
But as much as we really just want serenity and would trade even the luxuries of the future for that serenity to come right now, Hashem knows better. And He has decided that the storm will continue longer because that luxurious reward to come is apparently worth it. Yes, as logical and sane humans, we prefer lohein velosharon, but the reward of Hashem's ideal world is so immeasurable. It outweighs the ravages of our stormy gullus beyond any limits. So while we're hoping for an end to the storm, Hashem tells us not to shoot so low, but in fact to yearn for a utopia that only Hashem could bring, because in fact, that is what Hashem is guaranteeing us. I would add that why is it that Hashem afflicts us with the storm? Why does Hashem put us through the distresses of Gullus, if not to remind us that there is a higher utopian ideal, a ruchniyastika ideal, manifest in a completely built, beautiful base on Migdash with all the gemstones listed that we have perhaps forgotten about, that we have neglected, we have abandoned as a thought, as an ideal to one day live. And Hashem says, yes, you're in the storm right now. But you know what? There's a higher ideal. You want serenity right now. Yeah, but you know what? When you had serenity, when you were in the gullus of chesed, right, you forgot. And so you needed a reminder. And now, now that things are a little bit off kilter, things are off balance, and now you no longer have your equilibrium, your sort of homeostasis where everything is status quo, hunky-dory, where things are relatively peaceful. That's right. Hashem rocked the boat a little bit in that storm because Hashem wants you to realize that we are not living the ideal and that there is a higher ideal. And so Hashem says, don't shoot low. Don't think, okay, you know what? Just Hashem, just give us peace. That's all I want. Right? So the, the, the mentality that some people had during COVID of, you know what, if, you know, normally on Pesach I, I, I yearn for Lashana Habab Yerushalayim, but you know, it's, uh, this year I'll settle for Lashana Habab with, with friends and family again. No, that's the, the, the whole point of the gullus that we experience is because we've been neglecting Yerushalayim as a real option for ourselves. And the whole point of gullus is so that we should realize that there's a higher ideal that we have yet to live in our lifetime. So yes, you might say, Hashem, I, you know, I just prefer to get out of the storm. But Hashem says, no, the storm is there for a reason. And by the time you get to the other end of it, the light at the end of the tunnel, you will not just see serenity, the serenity and the peace that you've been waiting for, but you'll see a beautiful, built Yerushalayim, a built based on Migdash, the actual ideal which we, uh, with which we are supposed to be keeping with ourselves every day of our lives. And it seems as though, for now, the storm must continue. But hopefully not for so long. And regardless, in the end, we will get through the storm. It will end. And we will have not only the long-awaited comfort, the peace and that serenity, but we will have immeasurable bounty, luxury that we cannot begin to comprehend. And the current discomfort might continue, but it is, it's limited and will yet be revealed to be the ultimate bargain deal when Hashem hosts us in the finished palace. His finished palace. We just have to hang in there. So until then, we shall be zocha to not only stick it out through the stormy gullus and be zocha to see its ultimate end and the serenity to follow, but we should be zocha to experience Hashem's ideal world with the endless reward 
in the times of the Gul and the coming of Mashiach from Her of Yemenu. As always, if you enjoyed the share and others like it on the podcast and want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you just want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group, where you can find links to every uploaded share or links to share them that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, have a wonderful rest of your week, a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for joining us here at the database.